Welcome tabletop players, my name is Rune Ortega and tonight I've got an extra special part 2 of cold brew with old men rolling dice. Now if you're unfamiliar with our cold brew segment, it is where we talk to different players in the tabletop scene, different content creators, different just anybody who makes an impact on that hobby that we call amazing. And that's exactly what we're going to do tonight. Uh, joined with me in the episode will be my co-host, Cade. And we go through the process with Old Men Rolling Dice of answering an extended topic. Kind of similar to our side table, but longer. And uh, we actually review a coffee. And that coffee is being used for our current batch, which if you haven't listened to yet... I don't know why you're even here. That was last week's episode that we started. It's Monster of the Week, a crazy awesome system that you also need to check out. But that's in another time and another place. Right here, my friends, is our episode with old men rolling dice. Go hit them up on all their social medias. Um, subscribe to their podcast. Trust me, you won't regret it. It is so awesome. And with that, grab a mug. Fill it full of the hot stuff. And make sure you place it on a really sturdy surface because you're going to be laughing so hard that you don't want to spill coffee all over yourself. That would be really awful and I would feel bad. So be careful. Drink that coffee. Genuinely. Let me say, I, I was so excited when you said that you wanted to rate a coffee with us because, you know, we talked earlier how that's such a small part. It's kind of our shtick, you know, it's it's kind of just a fun thing. But when you guys said that you wanted to rate one with us, I was like, oh, yeah, it's legit. Like people look forward to that review. It must be. <laughs> I, uh, I live in a house with an absolute coffee snob. Like my wife would never pick up a cup Best of coffee kind of on the go. Like she's hand grinds. We, she runs everything through a Chemex, which is the giant glass beaker, yeah. a, a gooseneck copper pot to soak the filters with prior to, she made the coffee for me tonight, by the way, because I'm not allowed to touch her equipment. <laughs> You've got to keep her Jason. But I'm like, yeah, like, <laughs> okay. when you're like you need coffee, a wife like, that'll let you touch her equipment. That's just part of the deal. <laughs> Oh, sweet Jesus. Apparently, I got to talk to my wife. <laughs> Listen, honey, he said you need, to, you need to let me touch your equipment, and I need to never touch the kettle. <laughs> never touch it. Don't touch it. Um, so, yeah, like for me, when it was like reviewing coffee, I'm like, oh, yeah. Even when you dropped the coffee the other day, she was like, so... So what? Is, what coffee is that? Like, what? I'm like, we're not. Don't drink it yet. Don't drink it yet. Like, that's for Tuesday night. Like, don't. I don't want to come home and find that bag empty. Yeah. So we're we're totally pro coffee here. Awesome. I worked a lot of night shift in my time. Mm-hmm. Didn't have to be good coffee. It just had to be coffee. And 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 now, I mean, I still have sort of a religion with coffee. Uh, it's. I can tell on a day that I have not had my coffee. That being said, in the last little while, I've been a little more selective of what I choose. I went out and got a grinder, not a hand grinder, <laughs> an electric grinder. If that's wow. a faux pas, I apologize. I have but, one of each. You're fine. <laughs> <laughs> I, I only got, use an electric I, grinder. I even got a French, that's wrong. I have a French press for myself. Have to uh, French press. Yeah. 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 So I, coffee has become more to me in the, I would say in the last four or five years. I once watched, and I think it was like a 
I want to say it was like cheddar or Buzzfeed video or something like that. And it, it talked about how like in North America, we've gotten used to just like crap coffee. Like that's what we've, you know, been born on. And it, it kind of resonated with me. And I was like, why do we drink coffee? Like, why is it that people are always like, Oh, just add cream and sugar. It'll be fine. It's like, yeah. <laughs> is that how you want your drink? You just want it to be fine. See, that was something else I wanted to ask you guys. So do when we rate this, co- should we be drinking it black? Mm. That's actually a journey that we've just recently discovered. Okay. okay. You make us sound way snootier than we are, Rude. <laughs> Please uh, let us be your Padawans. Tell us okay. of your journey. So I, I primarily am a black coffee drinker. And my stance is, how else do you know if it's good coffee or not? Right? I just, that's that's how I have to drink it. But I will occasionally drink it with cream and sugar in it just for a morning perk up, like something special, you know? And uh, we had this black bourbon or black cherry bourbon. That's what it was by fire department coffee. And I I just, the one morning I accidentally poured my wife's creamer. I was making her coffee and she's not really a coffee drinker. She just started since we had a child. And uh, I accidentally poured her creamer into my coffee and I was like, ah, whatever, I'll just drink it. And it was phenomenal. Like the flavor just went through the roof and I was like, okay, well now I got to try it every way. (laughs) That's awesome. See, and for me, like in addition to coffee, I'm a big like whiskey and scotch guy. And uh, there's so there's a YouTube channel called the Whiskey Tribe, which if you're a whiskey fan, I highly recommend you check out. But they have a saying that is the best whiskey is the whiskey you like to drink how you like to drink it. So however you like your coffee, that's how you drink it. There's no shame if you want to have half of it cream and a third of a cup of sugar, like whatever power to you. That's on you. I don't agree, but I'm not going to shame you for that. So Jiminy step back on me here. Step off me here. Okay. (laughs) I'm just going to say this. There's a beaver at this table now because I cannot drink whiskey. Anything like I could do rum. (laughs) Whiskey rye. No, no. I am a, I am a wimp when it comes to that. Uh, It burns all the way down. My leg spasms. I cannot drink it. I cannot drink it. But once you get through that, it's the best. You oh, give me the peatiest scotch you can find, and I am a happy camper. Oh, <laughs> Ardbeg 10, love it. Lafroig, love it. It's all amazing. <laughs> See, it's all, a great time drinking. to... Oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead, Jason. It's just a really great time to be into the spirits and stuff too right now. There's oh, yeah. so many so many craft makers out there. There's so much on the yeah. market. If you're into it, it is it's just the golden age right now. Because like, you think about when you were growing up, and I'm a lot older than you, like my dad in the 70s, like he came home with the same bottle of like, you know, Seagram's Five Star if he bought yep. and, 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 a, and a case of bad blue stubbies because that's that's what you did back then right you, you know, he had OV, he had ov or 50 did he not oh dude ova oh, Anna. <laughs> like no we was a blue blue smiles like <laughs> either way it is a great time to be into the spirits beers coffees everything i mean the market for that is just fantastic these days 100 and I did drink my coffee black tonight. I don't generally. I kept I kept the liqueur on the side, so I could. So I'm, sometimes I'm mixing it, but uh, generally I was like, well, to get a proper, I didn't want to get in here and go, dude, did you put cream in that? I'd be like, uh, and then have to like I pour it I just right lied, in. I lied to two complete strangers about something that doesn't matter, and I feel dirty. <laughs> Yeah, like we're gonna be like, point that camera down. What is in that cup? <laughs> Show 
It's the cop. Show us the cop. You've got the chaser going on every time you oh, take a sip. You look like a, like a 14-year-old girl. Like, ooh, ooh, so chaser. Says, my chaser comes says, Aloha, suck him up. Uh... <laughs> oh man. No, uh, you know what? And I, I feel like the the liquor, the spirits, beer, whatever you want to call it, industry is really paralleling the coffee right now. It's just that that small batch. People are looking for for things. Like I said, like if you're gonna drink something, shouldn't it be better than just mediocre? You know, and I think that includes your scotches, your beers, your coffee, especially because a lot of people will be like, do they taste great? Well, there's something good about them, but I wouldn't say they taste like sugar or they taste like Kool-Aid, you know, so you're already drinking something that kind of has its own unique, distinct flavor. So like, make sure it's a good one. So how do we rate this? Do you guys have a scoring system? We have a different one every time. Kate, what have we had? Oh, man. What have we had? Um mysteriously absent wives extra fingers what was the turtles one again uh illegally acquired turtles oh yeah we usually base it off of some random thing that pops up in that batches like system that we're playing <laughs> so yeah like the the illegally acquired turtles was from cyberpunk where they stole genetically unmodified turtles and were like selling them on the black market so that was that rating system <laughs> but i don't know what we use for this one when they're we don't really have a system Something that we all have in common. Something Canadian. Something Canadian. How many darts out of five? Oh man! <laughs> so what are we talking like Demorier or Players Light? I mean, what? <laughs> Export A. He's already called me out on my knowledge of cigarettes. No, I'm. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, all of them. Right, the right ones. <laughs> <laughs> the red ones. Yeah, the red. I remember, ones. like when you're growing up, and some guy could just walk around with it hanging off his lip, right? He didn't even like. There's a lost talent. You don't see that anymore ever. My Girl. parents both smoked as a kid, and I can remember the basement being like a haze. You'd be down there watching a movie. I remember going to friends' houses and their parents thinking I was a smoker, kicking my ass out of their house. Don't don't come <laughs> around with our kids anymore. I'm like, what's the problem? Oh, you stink of cigarettes. I'm like, well, I don't smoke. It's my parents. Please don't. Dude. My first job, I was like uh, 14, 15, was working at the local arena. And when people ask you, okay, so what do you do at the arena? I'm like, once an hour, I drive a Zamboni, which was awesome. And then I spend the rest of my entire day sweeping up cigarette butts because you could smoke back. You were in a sports facility and people were just smoking and you didn't even put it in the ashtray. You just threw it on the ground. I I hope an American is listening because you, one, they probably don't know what a Zamboni is. And two, (laughs) you said Zamboni. A A A. Oh, did I? You totally <laughs> dropped three A's after that Zamboni. Oh, dude. <laughs> Next right, thing, let, like, let's new let's go with the rating system. Just one extra little bit on that. Let's call it out of five rips and darts because rips, rips you gotta know. Oh. You gotta know what a rip is. Going out for a rip there, bud. <sighs> I oh, hate yeah. that I'm oh, yeah. Give your nuts a touch. Give your nuts a touch. Oh, man. Okay, well, um, I don't know. Cade, you probably have the most pretentious view on this coffee, so why don't you give us some tasting notes? I need a base off. I'm going to need a base (laughs) (laughs) You pretentious asshole. A side note, Cade and I once went to an event where we we decided we were going to go 
because I like beer and I don't really like scotch. In fact, I think it tastes like an ashtray. Amen. And so Amen. the greatest of ashtrays. <laughs> I can't even taste so, anything. I might as well be drinking like rubbing alcohol. It yep. just burns from the time it enters my mouth. Bad whiskey. <laughs> so we once went to this event where it was like, okay, Kate. I'm going to get you a beer and you're going to get me a scotch and we'll just trade back and forth. And we did that the whole night and it was a, both the best and worst experience. But the whole time, each one of us was trying to tell the other one why theirs actually tasted good when the other one was almost gagging. The difference is I was right. That's something a scotch drinker would say. I love scotch. Okay, we, you, need a, you need a baseline. Okay. <laughs> we need so, a, like, would it... Would it like would a Timmy's be uh what? Oh, is it a fresh Timmy's or like the after 20 minute mark Timmy's? <laughs> that 20 minute mark is a total suggestion, by the way. As someone who worked at Tim Hortons for six years of his life, that 20 minutes is it's a loose guideline at best. <laughs> it was my first job as well. It's actually also I think, where I met I think my you wife. Have to do, I think you have to do the 20 minute mark because okay. you're on average, you're not gonna hit the fresh mark that often at Timmy's. Yeah, that's true. That's true. you're not wrong. <laughs> I don't know. That's like a one or a two, right? I'd say like a two. Okay, a two. so yeah. we're gonna call, we're gonna call a base. Uh, uh, okay, that's okay. Good. Yeah, I'd say like your like really bad gas station coffee is like oh. your one. Yeah, like <laughs> where you're like actively picking grounds on your teeth and yeah. You guys even remember vending machine coffee? Like yeah. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> negative negative two. <laughs> I'm like I remember like having to get one of those at work, and you're thinking I'm not sure this is coffee. Like I, I know this, that I pushed this the button. Is not worth the quarter I put in. <laughs> has, has Starbucks made it to? Has Starbucks made it to Alberta? Oh yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah, we're about twenty years behind, but we got our first one like three weeks ago. Did, are you? You're just pulling my leg. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Like, yeah. Okay. No, we. Uh, I was actually just out of Starbucks today. Okay, I cannot. Do you find I, that that's an Ontario thing to talk to the rest of Canada like that? What? Like, oh, like you guys have a Starbucks? Oh, that's nice. Good for you. Can your women vote yet? Like, uh, <laughs> human just, rights? Look, I, we live in a small town. There's three Tim Hortons here. There's only one Starbucks. You guys have it's three only... Tim Hortons? I look, have one. Okay, how many how many people are in this town, Jason? Hold on, I have to check. I, think I didn't grow 10, up 000. here, but Jason and I met. Like, I I've been here for like, I think I've been here for 15 years. I don't like it here. Anyway, it's <laughs> it's very small. It's very small. <laughs> this is John Deere country out here for sure. Um, well, I'm curious when you say very yeah. small, when we hear the number, because I came from a real small town. <laughs> I'm Googling it right now. So for reference, my current hometown, and actually I've always lived here, has about 6,800 people and one Tim Hortons. Okay. We have, uh, this is as of 2016. Paris, we're in Paris, uh, 12,310 people, and we have three Tim Hortons. That's bigger three than Tim the Hortons? city I currently live in. Literally one, <laughs> you, there's three ways to exit town, and there's literally a Tim Hortons at every exit. And Man. we just got our first Starbucks. But I'm going to tell you something. I, don't, I can't drink Starbucks coffee. Starbucks coffee, I find, is grossly overpriced for what you actually it's get. It's very, it's very, um, what's the word? If I'm it was good, for? I'd be fine. Mediocre. But is it bitter? Yeah. I bought him yeah, one. I think I. Oh, no, 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 no! Ago. You didn't buy me a, a just a coffee. What was that thing you bought me? <laughs> like, because I'm addicted um, to those. I'm like, could I get a caramel macchiato for my friend? Oh, and I, you're a bad you know friend. You, you know when you live, you live in a small town and you roll through there, dressed dressed looking pretty good, and order that for your friend. 
they're, they're judging you. They're like, oh, yeah. oh. hey, say hi to your friend for us. Yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe you two will come through sometime. Get some macchiatos together. And you showed up and gave me that. And I thought you had just bought me a coffee. I, I took a sip and I was like, what is this? Candy in your mouth, eh? Oh, God. You're a bad insane. friend. You might as well just got him a second mortgage. And like. then I went, then I went <laughs> to buy one. That's the whole thing. I go to buy one. I roll up and drive to it. I go, I'll have a, uh, I butcher the name. And the girl's like this. And I'm like, yeah, that's what I want. Yeah. And I get up to the window and she's like, that'll be $7. And I'm like, what? You just put your credit card down and drive away. Just let them have it. Like, You say your credit card on the little them. shelf? <laughs> with your dignity right beside it you know, exactly. here's my credit card and my dignity just take them both take them both now my wife knows if i'm having a day she just and i go could you pick up a coffee on the way home she, she, that's what she gets me she's like this will cheer him up <laughs> this will cheer him up sure enough it does it does oh it buys me rum this is why we're different <laughs> i'm like it's been a rough day you know <laughs> <laughs> Oh, uh, and then what would what would be a five? Starbucks is definitely not a five. No, no, not when you're selling either your left or your right kidney. Yeah, we no. haven't had a five on the show yet. <clears throat> no, the the black cherry bourbon was the closest, and it was a, it's a you rated four a four and, and a half, half, and I was a four. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hmm. Let's say that a five is just a, a unicorn. We're, we'll forever chase the five. I like that. <laughs> I like that. I like the unicorn reference. <laughs> All right, Kate, give us some tasting notes. Uh, for me, this one surprised me a lot because when I first took a sip of it, it tasted like peanut butter. Uh, and to the point where I had to text Ruin and I was like, am I on crack? Like, does, am I wrong? Does this taste like peanut butter? And Ruin's allergic to peanuts. So I don't know why I asked him. That was stupid. <laughs> <laughs> My response was like, well, I would have been dead two weeks ago. So yeah, I don't exactly. Know. <laughs> yeah. But so they claim on it like it tastes of of nuts and caramel, which I think is where my brain is making that connection, because as soon as I open the bag, that's what I smell as well. And yeah, it's just like it's smooth and yeah, like it's overwhelmingly peanut butter for me, um, which I really enjoyed. I've downed like three pots of it in the last couple of days. Um, Yeah, no, I really, really enjoy it. I'd probably give it like a four, four point five. Like I'm really enjoying it. I'm gonna have to go get another bag here pretty quick <laughs> if you uh if you know somebody in edmonton so uh for the reference the coffee is called deadmonton by high horse coffee out of edmonton alberta um if you know somebody in edmonton they have free shipping so i actually just got some relatives of mine to like get it shipped to their house and then they just like porch dropped it the next time they were in my town nice which was saved a lot of money on that um yeah so if you want to get more, we should we should get some more sometime. But we what did you should. guys think? I like it. I like it a lot. It's um, this is very similar to what what we like. I said we my wife is a coffee snob aficionado. Call it whatever you like. Um, Somali. So it's got it's got uh, it doesn't end up with like cheaper coffee. Sort of have that blandness or sweetness to it. It's got a nice little bitterness to it, right? So you know you, you know you're getting a good coffee. Even when you take the beans out, there was there was a slickness or an oil to them, mm-hmm. which is nice. I, I, they weren't overly dried out. Um, mm-hmm. Ground up really nice. Great nose. Um, I don't generally drink my coffee black, so this was a little bit off for me. Like I said, I've been uh, I've been keeping them in opposite hands. <laughs> so as not to, to spoil it, um, really nice coffee. I'm, I would totally have no problem drinking this. Um, very similar to, I think we drink something by a small roastery called Blacksmith and Bean. Uh, and I want to say it's called Black Horse. 
And um, it definitely reminds me of that for sure. Nice. I just, I, I, if, if I'm making coffee at home, I've been using, um, maybe you guys have had it. I think it's Canadian Muskoka roastery uh, coffee, howling wolf, I think it's called. And I've heard of them, but I haven't actually, I haven't tried them. It's a medium dark as well. And I, that's, that's like, that's my coffee at home. I, that's, and I would, I would put it, I, I would not put it on a five. I have had better coffee, but I would put it easily uh, a high, maybe three point seven five four. It's it's it, it as far as a coffee at home, it hits the spot for me every time. This was very similar. I would I would probably have to rate this somewhere in that neighborhood. Maybe maybe not quite a four. No, I think I, I think it, I think I can give it a four. I think I can give it a four. I, think it's a good, I just feel like it's a good <laughs> coffee. You know, you're not drinking. No. You know, you're not drinking like um, just uh, Nabob or something. From right. the, uh, oh God, dude. Oh. <laughs> did I say no, it's like that coffee. <clears throat> <laughs> like, yeah. Did I say a dirty word? Nabob. <laughs> President's yeah, I, choice. So I was uh, actually a little bit torn on this one. I was really hopeful. I don't know. Maybe it's just like it was so such a local coffee that I was like, "Oh, I, I really want it to be good." Um, and I thought it was it was good. It was kind of just good for me. Um, it was <laughs> it was just good for me. Um, Rips it was darts. really smooth. I I actually really got a lot of the chocolate taste. Um, my wife though was uh, drinking it, and she got most of the caramel taste to it that Cade was kind of picking up on. Um, I'm not going to go as high as you guys. I think I'm going to go three and a half. It was really, really smooth. But to me, the the flavoring was kind of just these little notes. And I brewed it every way and drank it every way that I could try it. And I, I just wasn't getting a lot out of it. But uh, yeah, three and a half, I think, is where I'd land on. Out of five darts? Three and a half out of five rips and darts. Yeah. So J- Jason, what did you, did you have a score for it? No, I don't know if I had an actual score. Um, like I said, I would serve this. I would drink this on a regular. This is this is a coffee that works for me. So I mean, I would probably go, and I I tend to be generous because I don't ever want to be mean. I would I would give that a four, no problem. <laughs> like if that was available I, here, I thought you were about to go four and a half, and I was going to say, don't do it. That's really close to a no. Unicorn. You never know. <laughs> it's too close to oh, the elusive unicorn. Um, <laughs> if this was local and I could get it easily, this would this would be in my regular rotation for sure. This is this is the the type of coffee that I drink. Sure. Well, there we have it. It's a it's a rated a four out of five rips and darts. That's our combined <laughs> score, guys. I love that. There's someone out there that has no idea what a ripper and darts. <laughs> yeah. I didn't. I didn't even. Grow up it's an educational yet. thing to know. To, yeah, yeah. Welcome to Canada. <laughs> it's cold, and we're just all bitter about things. <laughs> Except coffee, apparently. Apparently, yeah. I I think that's I, I mean I don't know if that's generous. I feel like for my first coffee review, I've set a very high bar. Like you guys were, it's well true. You're a bit nervous. Yeah, you're a bit nervous when you're doing your first review. You're like, I know, oh, I know. Man, like I've never. I probably should have researched this part of and the I, thing. More. I didn't want an old man, old man rolling dice drinking incident where we like ripped on those beers hard. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> oh, dude. It was bad. I better do it decent. I better do it decent. <laughs> you know, it's it, we had that same experience. I think that's one of the reasons we want to redo our our DCC episodes is because we feel like we were almost too harsh on it. You know, it's like we didn't mean to come across harsh. We were just saying how we felt, but we weren't phrasing it well. 
I'm gonna go back. I'm gonna a, go back and listen oh. to that, and I'll 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 tell because I think you can be harsh on it. <laughs> I mean, they're gonna they're gonna bitch and moan, but that's because they're all old men, and I'm an old man saying like to all those DCC DCC old men, like take it down a notch. <laughs> that, that game is it's good. The pitch line that we were told it's like dungeon crawl classics when dwarves were dwarves. I actually have a, a review that they they post every couple of years. I love your review that you use for them. And this is awesome. They were like, I was on their website when we first started talking about them. They're like, like the first year this came out, somebody went online and did a review of our game. And they're like, even all these years later, it's still our favorite review. They're like, because it really hits it on the head. This, this is probably my favorite quote. I wish I'd written this. It's one of those things you're like, I wish I was this cool. <clears throat> this isn't your father's D&D. It's your batshit crazy uncle's D&D. Straight from the smoky basement with faded black light posters on the walls and 80s man of war blaring on an old tape deck. You might turn up your nose at first, but once the seven-sided dice start rolling, you'll find yourself sucked in. I'm like, that is DCC. Absolutely. I'm pretty sure I've read that review before, and you're right. Yeah. I just, I want that crazy van with the fantasy and like half naked oh, women on the side of it. And I just want a table on the inside that like some dude in wizard's hat comes out and is like, get in the van and roll some dice. And I haven't thought about Man of War in so long. <laughs> <laughs> just, even, even just owning a tape deck. And just, <laughs> you can, you, here's my thing though. You can have the van with the naked women on the side and still play fifth edition. Like, yeah, but we can't keep our oh. jobs. <laughs> I feel like I'd be a poser. I would roll up and somebody would be like, get out of here, you filth. <laughs> Throw down my player's handbook and smack them upside the head with the DMG. <laughs> That's what I'd be doing. I'd be like, no, you can, you, you can have your cake and eat it too. <laughs> I want the naked, by the way, I want the naked woman with the polar bear chariot. That's the one I want. <laughs> yep. Oh, I know the one you're talking about. It's the classic. For sure. You don't see van art anymore. I, wouldn't it be neat if van art came back oh my and you God, just saw no. minivans like in your neighborhood and they were like all like custom murals? I don't know where like, the stick figure family came from, but they seem to have replaced that. <laughs> and God damn it. If there's ever been like a turn for the worse in society, it was the stick figure family. Like one oh. of my favorite things on the internet is that video of like there's a car accident and it's like oh my god are my kids okay and the police officer just pulls over and peels off one of the children off the van oh, oh no. man it's so funny <laughs> I've not seen that I've it's not so seen good that. oh that is fantastic <laughs> could you imagine a minivan with with like stuff like that painted on the sides. Listen, I have a minivan because we have two giant oh, dogs, a baby, do and a it. stroller. Do I don't it. know if my wife would let me, but I'm I'm willing to talk to her about it. You know, I have a couch. You can stay at my place. Do it. <laughs> <laughs> then you can drive it cross road to Ontario so that yeah. we here could bow down to your your van. <laughs> yeah, I'll Absolutely. let you guys know her response. Yeah. And if you're gonna do that, you need to acquire some shag rug for the dashboard. <laughs> yes the little tassels oh yeah and the hula girl i sure i'm pretty sure i could get one of those it's alberta somebody has one and they still don't understand why it's slightly racist any gas station you walk into you'll they're there yep yep yeah. so shall we talk about do we have time 
Yeah. Do you guys want to keep going? Yeah. We'll roll into this. So yeah. what we let's, thought we'd talk the topic about we started out with. Yeah. 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 This <laughs> is the topic that we actually discussed talking about. So we were going to talk about why campaigns end. I think it, do, it doesn't have to be long. I mean, most people, some people don't know why their campaigns end. In fact, Jason and I had a discussion not long ago where it was like, why did that campaign end? I think I, I feel knew. like one of you has a strong opinion and the other one's like, hmm, don't know what it's you're talking all, about. Okay. It's always me with the strong opinion. Always. Jason's just like, let's all live happily ever after. I'm like, nope, let's throw some vinegar on it. Let's just shake it around. Vinegar. Vinegar and salt. You're throwing vin. Okay. I was like, I, I'm not sure if I got that reference. I'm like, they're going to be thinking weird about people from Ontario. Yeah. Come on down here. Get some vinegar thoughts on you. We're not hey, putting up with any. It crap. just occurred to me. Salt and vinegar chips and fries is like a Canadian thing, right? Is that ketchup a Canadian thing? Are. I think it is. Ketchup chips are. Yeah, oh, we, we, we had an interview. We did we an interview. It's not an interview. We did a podcast with a DM out of New Hampshire. Did, had no idea what ketchup chips are. I only just learned the other day that crispers are Canadian only as well. Crispers? Like crack- really? Yeah. Yeah. I love the I crispers. Love crispers. Yeah, they're yeah. amazing. <laughs> yeah, wait, wait, wait. But ranch, right? They have to Oh, well, yeah, of course, ranch. <laughs> no, salt, salt and vinegar crispers are wrong. I gotta be honest with you, I'm salt and vinegar too. Do you think it's uh. Think Maybe it's, like, it's an Alberta, Ontario thing. No, <laughs> I think it's just because we're old and we're vinegary and salty. Our taste buds are really dull. You got to go with something strong. Eh? Yeah, that's well, exactly we're never young again. We're never more than ten feet from a ranch, so yeah. like if I look outside my window, there's a ranch. There's cows. Yeah, <laughs> you should hear them in calving season. It's unpleasant. Really. Oh, there's a Vietnam flag. Have you gone? Ca- okay, have you, have you done the cow tipping? Yeah. I mean, I haven't because I think that's cruel, but like, Kate, they do things a little differently where you're from. Yeah. Well, when the entire town is made up of your, your cousins, like, oh. and they still date, like, yeah. <laughs> a dating target rich environment. That's what we call that here in Ontario or yeah. Oshawa. <laughs> oh, the schwa. <laughs> Oshawa is a suburb outside of Toronto that people don't know, and it's maybe known for rough, rough. Uh, it's a little rough around the edges. Mm, yeah, I grew up. If we in have Stadler. any listeners nobody in Oshawa. Stadler. It's gone now. <laughs> I once, so I don't know much about Oshawa, but when we went to Ontario and we were on yes. Toronto, we stayed in a KOA in like Milton. And we went into the, the town to find something to eat. And we were like, best place to eat in Milton or whatever. And there was this barbecue place that when we pulled up in our vehicles, my wife looked at me and was like, we're going to get stabbed in this parking lot. And then we had the best <laughs> barbecue food of our life. Really? Yeah. Amazing. Milton is like, Milton has, how many years ago would you say you were in Milton? Uh, well, it was, uh, it was the um, 150th for Canada. Okay. So what was that uh three years ago four years ago yeah four years ago yeah well, i would I say, say in the last right, go ahead what nobody oh. nobody goes to milton who the hell goes to milton it's <laughs> where you drive through to get somewhere else i'm like i've never stopped in milton and i agree with you you roll up your windows you maybe take out your buck knife and keep it on the, the seat beside you but yeah for milton <laughs> i get scared in hamilton and i get scared in Brantford. i told you that okay I, Milton I is packed, like I packed Milton is like now the, like a little com- suburb commuter town. Yeah, they couldn't be yeah. more one. They couldn't be more posh, and two probably couldn't be more white. <laughs> like, Ooh. 
That's why there was a barbecue restaurant. We might have to cut that line now that I think about it. <laughs> you, but, yes. but, but I'm telling you, it is not a very diverse place. Maybe Jane, I'm wrong. Not cut Maybe that I'm, line. Maybe I'm wrong. What did I today? Milton glows in the dark. Yeah. <laughs> There's gonna be people in Milton like just furious at me if they're again. Who am I kidding? No one listens to our podcast. So it's going to be from people from your podcast. Some Albertans going to be like, I've been to Milton and f- that guy. <laughs> Agree. Milton's no Oshawa. There's no question about it. I'll give you that for sure. Oshawa's, Oshawa's a rough town. You want to talk another Ontario rough town? Windsor. Oh, dude. Border towns in general. Okay. Windsor and Detroit. Detroit is like the boyfriend that gave Windsor the hiv. That's what it is. <laughs> Like Windsor just came across and infected a perfectly clean Canadian town. Oh no! And now, and now, Windsor's got to live with it the rest of their lives. That's that's what Windsor is. Holy smokes! Well, I don't think the Governor General is ever going to be calling us to like give us an award or something for promoting Canada internationally. So, I mean, we've established that. Detroit is dirty. Detroit is dirty. We just lost all our Detroit listeners. Detroit should have wrapped that new bridge that they were poking across the river into Windsor, and they didn't, and now it's got the hip. Have you had a drink tonight? Because this usually happens when you've been drinking, and I I thought you were drinking coffee. I thought we were safe. I'm just having a really good time. I'm having a really good time. You guys are going to do a little more editing than you thought, and uh, I just know. No, I'm adamant. I'm, I'm looking at Kate and I'm like, you leave this all in. It is gold. This is going to get us more listeners than ever. I, this, I think you need, We're also going to lose our job. We're going to talk to Ron. We'll be famous. Somebody's got a Jiminy Cricket this. Um. Oh, okay. So, um, the t- yeah, the topic. campaigns that have ended, right? Yeah, campaigns. Oh, no, yeah. Oh. <laughs> I'm thinking an STI ends the campaign. I was saying. thinking the same thing. <laughs> it was all fun and games until the DM gave the party an STI. We're out of here. Oh, gosh. What's the worst thing that can have no party? Orc AIDS. Like... <laughs> we, so we recently played Zweihander. And, uh, yes. It had rules for diseases in it. And I was like, who would ever be that much of a bastard to give their player like any disease like could you imagine it's like yeah you killed the boss but now you have sepsis so you have a slow painful death and even though you survived the battle uh you need to roll a new character because you're dead anyways (laughs) my elf has chlamydia what am i to do what am i to do we always called them taverns but we knew it was up (laughs) yeah nobody's like come on paint a picture here i don't know if have you ever been on the high road and you look around and you realize oh, there's, no, there's, no other foot, there's no footprints in the snow except yours? You're just up here all alone. You're like, so, high road's cold and lonely this time of year. Oh, sh- And back at you, Jeremy. Yeah, I, I love you, Jiminy. I'll, I'll, I'll behave now. I'll behave now. Let's talk. Let's oh, talk like experienced gamers. So, I have a list. Go for I, it. I have a list. But can we first of all just quickly define a campaign? Because there's something you guys might be on my hit list 
there's something new players do. They think every time they sit down at a table, that's a D&D campaign. Like I was talking to someone the other day that has not been playing D&D long and they're like, yeah, great campaign Saturday night. I'm like, no, that was great session. You mean session, right? If you played a campaign Saturday night, you guys go hard. <laughs> it's a freaking marathon. Holy hell. <laughs> so it's not, like a one shot is not a campaign. No. True. No. A and, session. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And and usually a campaign is a couple connect at least a couple connected sessions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so we're talking about like why campaigns end. And as I said, some people sometimes people know exactly why their campaigns ended and sometimes they don't. So here's my mm-hmm. list. Here's my hold on. How many do I have here? One, two. I have six. If I start to have diarrhea of the mouth, you tell me. I'll clamp That's this off. That's number seven. Number <laughs> seven, diarrhea of the mouth, <laughs> campaign ends. Uh, so social incompatibility. Mm. There's a whole bunch of stuff under that heading. Attendance issues. Uh, my favorite, dungeon master failure. The never-ending story. The TPK. And the new edition. Mm. Those are sort of... As as I thought about this, those were the the things that like when I when I thought about all the campaigns that I've run over time, those are where those are where things went off the track. Those are where things went off mm-hmm. the track, and and it's g- generally not like it's it's generally not just one person's fault. The the campaign starts to break down, and and it's usually more than one of these. Like for instance, attendance issues can be a sign of dungeon master failure attendance issues can be a sign of social incompatibility like you're like i don't want to go mm-hmm. hang out with that person <laughs> so i'm not going to play D night and then you know you're not there enough so uh so i think it's easy to start a campaign like if you say i'm starting a new ca- campaign you can find players that want in on that mm-hmm. but the ending of a campaign is strange like it's not always, I've had some great endings to campaigns recently where it went sort of start, middle, end. And those have been great, very rewarding, but um, it's easy to start, but we get lost somewhere in the middle and then the thing crashes. Mm-hmm. I think the enthusiasm level, right? When you throw something, a new pitch out there to a bunch of your friends and you're, you're gaming with a bunch of like-minded people who, who already share your enthusiasm for what you're doing. Um, enthusiasm, I find in a campaign always starts high and it, and, and then there's a trickle down that determines whether it comes down really quick or if it's a long slope. But generally, as exciting as the campaign is, a lot of times I find that that initial session or two is is the height of excitement for everybody, right? Everything's new. Everything's fresh. Everybody's got this character that they've been dying to play or a system they can't wait to get into. So um, you're going into it with your sort of top game at that point in time. Have you guys had a ca- like? So you guys have been playing for about 10 years now, right? Between like each of you, approximately, uh, slightly or, less than me, age, yeah, a little less. Yeah. So, have you guys had a campaign run its full course, start to finish? Uh, we did. I've had one, and it was with Ruben. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that was my one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it was last summer, and yeah, right before um, we was, started the podcast. Yeah, it was yeah. Uh, Call of Cthulhu, and um, I had taken. I spent all of like last year playing all of the Resident Evil games in order, like chronologically. And I just was like, I don't know, obsessed, whatever you want to call it. And so I took the original game, stripped out all the lore, but kept all the puzzles and the, and the mansion. 
and inserted like uh, Lovecraftian horror and themes and stuff and then had them play through that. And we started it at the beginning of the summer. And I think it ended. Did it end before the summer was done? Yeah, because we wanted to end it before we had to go back to work. So we we powered through it over a weekend because we were yeah. we had two really long sessions. So here's yeah, something I'm curious about then with your Call of Cthulhu campaign, because in Dungeons and Dragons, people might not. Not everybody necessarily plays this way, but most Dungeons and Dragons games are about the little hero becoming the big hero. So they're constantly gaining power. Mm-hmm. At the start of the game, they are the weakest they'll ever be. And by the end of the game, they are the most powerful they'll ever be. And I would say that Call of Cthulhu is the other way. That at the yeah. beginning of the game, you're mm-hmm. probably that character is probably at the best it's ever going to be. And then you might have a couple skills go up, but there's a whole bunch of other things going down. Like yeah. and so you're you're losing so what I, I'm curious how in Call of Cthulhu do you manage to not avoid like one of the things that I that I think that ends a campaign is a TPK. It's not intentional, it but sometimes they happen. Uh unless you're playing fifth edition, nobody dies in fifth edition. That's my one criticism of fifth edition. But in Call of Cthulhu, like deaths happen. Yeah. So I actually, I did, you know, and Kay can jump in whenever he wants, but I I made custom classes for this one because I wanted them to be like elite operatives. And so it was a very modern setting one. Um, Like it, it actually did happen in 2020. That's when we set it. And um, I I gave them custom classes with occupations and gave them a little bit extra bonuses than I normally would with the idea of they had elite training from this organization that they worked for, which we called Hatchet because that was my like organization that i made for cthulhu and um they they went in stronger than they normally would but because i wanted them to actually fight monsters so it was kind of like pulp cthulhu but like i didn't have the pulp cthulhu rules so i kind of did my own homebrew of it um and yeah there was a couple of moments where some characters almost died and i remember one of our players saying to us uh you you know i thought we were just going to stroll through this and then all of a sudden i made one mistake and almost died and he's like, what would you have done? And I was like, well, you know, you got to have that. You got to have that secret in the back of your mind of like how a new character would come in. And it was like, well, they sent backup because you guys hadn't reported back for a while. You know, something like something corny like that. Yeah, because I, I mean, I don't want to spoil our Cthulhu one shot, but by the end of the game, and this is a one shot by the end of the game, there was only really one character that could progress to the next game that wasn't shattered in some way. Mm-hmm. Like it. And maybe I just went too hard on them for an opening game, but yeah. I don't think that I like. I'm sure most keepers out there would tell me that's not a not a thing. That the you know one of the rewarding things about Cthulhu is if you make if you make it out the other side of the story, then you know kudos to you. But yeah. then I'm like, how do you link these together? How do you make a campaign? Because I feel like TPKs, like when you start a story, you're like, hey, we're all together, let's do this. And if certain characters are removed from the story. I think the campaign just naturally loses some momentum. Even like you said, there might be ways to work new characters in and having an organization or an alliance with some kind of, um, you know, in, to use forgotten realms. If you're, if you're all agents of the Harpers, then it's easy to say, well, the Harpers have sent you someone else to assist you in this mm-hmm. task or whatever. And using like you, what you mentioned, hatchet, maybe hatchet sends another agent to bolster the party's losses. But I, I think Cthulhu is one of those games that I'm like, how do you recover from like, how do you recover from that 
uh, from, from that kind of harshness of the game and run a full story. You don't, I have two thoughts on that. The first is I have lost players to their character dying for sure. Um, because they're used to putting so much heart and soul into their characters that they do that. And then all of a sudden their character dies because somebody else messed up and didn't aim when they were shooting and they failed their, their luck roll sure. gets their head blown off and they didn't come back. They were just like, no, it's not for me. And you know what? I was totally like, for sure. Um, but uh, my, my other thought on that is I guess, know the game you're playing. I have a, I have a friend who's constantly talking about how, and it's not the same person, but how Cthulhu isn't for them because they don't want to create a character that only lasts one more time. But then Jody, who's also on our podcast, has spoken to the unique nature of that mentality of I'm going to create this character. And for the time that I have them, I'm going to love them. And then I'm going to celebrate their death and then create a new one that I love just the same. Yeah, but you're right. It is a unique challenge. We're, we've been playing uh, a different system called Sword and Wizardry by Frog God Games. And we have had, we started out with 10 party members, like 10 guys playing the game. And like, it's nothing in a, in a session to lose three of them because it's just, there's no, there's no fail safe. There's no death saves. There's nothing like that. Like fifth edition has so many mechanics to keep you alive. And there's none of that in Sword and Wizardry. And we lose characters really fast. And then we're like, uh, well, I guess we're, I guess you're re-rolling. Now in, uh, in OSR games, it's con- the TPK isn't as harmful because I find OSR games are more about, uh, and this is something I learned from the DCC game we played, they're more about the setting. So I think you said Jody, his, his idea of love the character for the time you have the character. And then when they, when they're gone, just make another character that you love. And the one thing that binds all these characters is not necessarily the party, but the setting. Like I think so. The universe. Yeah. Yeah. As opposed, as opposed to like D and D fifth edition, especially is so, so locked on to their story. Now everything is story driven. Um, You know, people sit down the table and they have three pages of backstory and I just kind of shake my head, but that's what, that's what they're looking for in the game now. And when a death occurs, <laughs> there's like shock and horror at the table. One, because it doesn't happen very often. And two, it's like, but our story included that character. And now you've erased that mm-hmm. character. What mm-hmm. the heck? Yeah. Um, I once spent two weeks making a character. It was a kobold. Um, and he's based off of the Diablo 2 shaman He's like, not this whole Who picks a kobold? <laughs> well, I wanted, I wanted something creepy, something weird that I could just have fun with. It was the first character that I'd ever really um, tried to actually do my best for role play and tried to really just get in the mind of the character, you know? <laughs> it died in the first session and I'd spent two weeks making it. And I swear, I almost quit playing with that group on the spot until I was just like, no, like calm down. It's not that bad. It's a fictional character, but it, it hurt. Cause no, I- People attach. Yeah. I have a tendency to get really attached to my character. Not every character, but if I'm in a campaign and when you get that character, you're like, this is a great idea. Like, I'm not simply reskinning something that's out there. This is something I've generally created. Mm-hmm. Um, I put some time and effort into it. Yeah, absolutely. When something happens to that character, it's it's like anything else, any other thing in your life that you've put time and effort into, right? I mean, you you, you form a natural bond with it. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I character depth for me in some some games is. Mm-hmm devastating 
Jay, yeah, I okay? would agree with that. Are you okay to talk about your your game with the split up? Or no? <clears throat> um no. I can't. Okay. I actually talked to that DM about it, about that specific incident, and he's yeah. like, listen, I'm currently gaming with this group and some of them might listen to it. And I I don't want to create a situation where that's fair. Um, that's fair. Yeah. But isn't that like isn't that so crazy though? That you have a yeah. situation <laughs> that is so intense and personal because of the bonds within that group or whatever mm-hmm. that you can't even talk about it as like well this an was exterior source this was even outside of the game this is a this, yeah. so this is when i when i talk about social incompatibility in a game sometimes you know there's a couple in the game and the couple splits and uh we're not gonna get into specifics of jason's game but i've been in a game that had a similar thing happen where it's like maybe some of the people side with one like just in any relationship split now people have to choose sides right and then suddenly you can't run that game anymore because like that that's that when i when i was thinking about like like uh, social incompatibilities other than just like i don't like hanging around that person or that person um that that person uh behaves poorly uh i'm like like imagine being at a table where it's like well the DM and uh, the DM and his uh, his girlfriend playing the game, and they've split, and now we don't know where the game is. Like I think, I think real life occasionally bites into a game and ends it pretty prematurely. Mm-hmm. I think lots of people have been left hanging with really good, and like we're talking about, we get attached to our characters and you get a really good character. And then there's some sort of a social dynamic that breaks down. It's maybe not even part of the game mm-hmm. and you're left without your campaign. Yeah. yeah. I've been in a similar situation and been on like the end of like the relationship splitting, um, not like a romantic relationship, but like my best friend and I played D and D together with Jaden actually. So we can ask him about it sometime ruin. Uh, and me and my friend had a total falling out over stuff and like other than D, we didn't talk we weren't in the same room like nothing and it made it super awkward for everybody to the point where like i bowed out of the session and the whole campaign because i knew it was making aw- everything awkward for everybody and i was like that's not fair to everyone so i'll just leave and then the campaign ended shortly after that because all of a sudden we didn't have a tank and the dynamic was weird and people were wondering where i was and all that and it just it totally fell apart so yeah, it doesn't even have to be like, you know, boyfriend, girlfriend split up, but even just like friends falling out. Like it it changes the whole dynamic of that entire party. Now that you instantly. say that, I could probably remember two or three campaigns over my lifetime where there's been friends that they're just like, F- that guy. I like yeah. I I just can't hang around him anymore. Because mm-hmm. as you're growing up or or yeah. going through different things in your life, you, you maybe split apart split apart in the in your thinking or and then suddenly mm. it's just not fun to be around them anymore. And yeah, then finally you have to cut the ties or they cut the ties with you yeah and then you're left like well what about dnd yeah. <laughs> and and well and dnd can also sometimes make it kind of worse because like those friends you kind of just grow apart you just kind of start hanging out with each other and you just kind of go and it's like it's amicable because it just kind of happened but like if you're part of a long form campaign and you are growing apart and you still have to be together once a week and work together and cooperate like it it makes that existing friction even worse i don't think that can be fixed does anybody here think that can be fixed like if if a set of friends go separate 
there's no way that if they're in the same D and D group, somebody's got to leave or the or the group is splitting. Yeah, I don't think you can yeah. recover from that. Either everything you did would seem passive aggressive, or it would actually be passive aggressive. You know, like uh, <laughs> no, no me, I'm not going to do that. Passive aggressive. Why? Oh no, I don't think it's a stupid idea. <laughs> F- you. That's why. Like, yeah. <laughs> my character hates your. F- characters guts <laughs> oh, i like to go with something like oh here's a list of people who can go f- themselves you <laughs> oh, that's Where? it that's all that's the whole list oh it's it's the it's the bbeg and you two oh. people that's it <laughs> who needs heals? you know what who needs heals? i don't hear anyone <laughs> i'm gonna heal myself thanks i know i only have one hit point down but just want to be safe <laughs> i'm topping off <laughs> You know, you'd be better prepared if you came with some healing potions. <laughs> yes. Everybody else bought a healing potion. Why didn't you buy a healing potion? Has yeah. anybody ever actually played in a campaign and, and and like been a healer and thought to yourself, you know what? He's never going to learn if I keep healing him. Like you just no, maybe that's maybe why. once in a while you just need to be like, because I don't know if I've ever done it, but I can honestly say there's probably been a couple times where I'm like, he's never going to learn. Like this guy's yeah. never going to learn if we just keep healing him. At some point in time, you're just going to be like, yeah. That's what happens. There, there's a podcast episode healer. There's a podcast episode. Get some clerics together, guys that play clerics, uh, and go, okay, tough lessons that need to be learned in your game. Well, go. <laughs> oh, man. You know, I don't think I've ever actually had a campaign and explosively or anything like that. I, I've had ones that just kind of naturally fizzled out. And, and some of them I was running. Um, and maybe I didn't do a great job of running. Like, I'm, you know, I'm new at this compared to a lot of other dms and stuff like that um but also just like i i also do have a tendency to go with like rules as written sometimes and i know that that can be to my detriment and i'm working on that it's it's therapy in my own head we can get over it you know but campaigns that i've um been a part of as a player there's been some really difficult ones where the the social incongruity that you talked about is, is what kills it for me is because if i feel like i'm arguing with people at the table why am i there and i actually had to talk to a dm one time and be like listen if this person comes i'm I'm not coming because i don't want to be like that person but i don't want to fight when i'm trying to game this is this is your fun time this is your social time this is your outlet like um i I, i'm talked to the guy another dm just the other day and he was getting very upset and worried there's some group dynamics going on as one camp i go don't forget at some point in time this is fun like this is what you do to put a smile on your face and and take the tension out of your shoulder if it ends up just adding more stress to your life then something about it isn't right like you're doing it wrong or it's not a good fit for you this this is supposed to be that thing you're looking forward to on Thursday or like this Saturday. Oh my God, it's going to be awesome. And if it isn't that, then it's time to sort of re-examine the group you're with. If you think, if you think it's bad, like um, it's hard. I agree. It's hard when you, when friends are having disagreements and there's an awkwardness about that. I DM at a store and occasionally we'll have a, like a players that I don't even know and they don't know one another. And not long ago, I had two women in my game could not stand each other. I, I don't even, and I think it was, uh, I think it was, <laughs> I don't know why. I just think it was like, they saw each other and was like, that chick. Like, I, I don't know what it was, but uh, yeah, it got very awkward. And at some point, at one point I actually had to pull uh, 
both players aside, not together because I did not want in the middle of that. But I was Good just call. like, I was just like, you either have to find a way to uh, to play friendly, or you're not going to be able to continue to play because there's other players, and I as a DM. Like, I just don't need that stress. Now, here's the interesting thing. We can all say, it's supposed to be fun. Walk away. There is sometimes, players can't find a game all the time. And in this case, mm-hmm. these two women, they could not find a game anywhere else that they felt uh, that they felt comfortable in playing in. They find the game. It's comfortable for them to play in. But they hate the f-ing person across the table from them. So neither one's willing to back down. Like they're taking ownership of the game. This is my game. I'm not going. She's going. Like I'm not leaving because I don't know how long it'll be before I'll get a chance to find another game to play in. So you can get some, when you're when it's not friends. I think even not like at a at, at a um, a convention you could run into this where like suddenly you're just like I can't stand the person across the table from me, but I'll be damned if I'm leaving this game. So it becomes a point of pride. Yeah, exactly. It's like this is my game. She can leave. I will outstubborn you. <laughs> Just, yeah. They, they were Have you guys ever very in part? I mean, obviously, you, Jeremy, you're talking about two players that were fighting. But have you ever been a part of a game where you, as a GM, had a problem or necessarily a, a conflict of interest or something with a player? Because every time that... we play ruin. <laughs> <laughs> uh Cade, why did you okay. focus on you? That's why. <laughs> What'd you say to me at work today, you little son of a <laughs> uh, No, like I and maybe the common denominator is me. Again, ruin's not perfect, but I've you know been a keeper of a session where I had to go to a friend who was playing and say, Hey, you know that other person that's one of your friends that we're playing with? Uh, this is the reason why I can't stand them right now. And I tried to phrase it as like, I value them at this table, but, and I believe they did some talks behind the scenes and I, I did some coaching of myself and they did some coaching of me and we worked it out, but it was hell for a while. It's very hard. It's very hard. Cause you're right. Like you, you're trying to find your group to play with. If, if I, okay. Being a, being a paid DM and GMing at like a game store for people that I don't know from, you know, the next person to walk through the door. I've had that situation arise a number of times where I'm like, this person's gaming style is not the type of player that I like to play with. Like I don't enjoy playing with this power hungry, you know, I have no problem. I have no problems with murder hobos. I have no problems with heavy role players. Uh, I got no problems with any of that. But when someone is just greedy, uh, when someone is just like, and if there's a magic item in this adventure, I'm going to find it and it's going to be mine. It doesn't matter if it benefits me or not. It's going to be mine. When I get players like that, I am, I'm just like behind the screen going, oh, let this end. Like, this yeah. is not going to work out. This is not going to work out. I can't play. I can't have fun with this type of a player uh, across the table. I always try to give them a couple sessions. Uh, and if it's still not working, then yeah, something has to, I think though, sometimes if you let that run its course, it will work itself out. Like the player goes, I'm not really feeling the group here. I'm out. 
Yeah, actually, and then it uh, looks better on you because it just kind of happened naturally. If you can ride it out or if you can see that if, if it's bothering other players. But, I mean, as the GM, don't you find as a GM, for whatever reason, it kind of lands on you to regulate the game. And if there's a problem with the game, even if it's a social incompatibility, the players are like, well, it's your game. You tell them. Like, I actually play a couple campaigns right now, and I've noticed, and I don't know if this is just a newer trend, um, that obviously they're new. And, and you're right, there's some things aren't fitting perfectly or things aren't happening as like the GM would like to have. And both of these guys have like sort of like, oh, I put a link to uh, a couple of articles and, and short videos. If everybody could just give those a watch before next session. And it's like a subtle way of sort of addressing what will be sort of like, you know, uh, attendance, manners, taking your turn. And uh, very specifically, and I'm not afraid to admit this because I know if he hears it, he'll be fine with it. My first edition campaign and my good friend Mark literally sent me an article on how to be a better uh, note taker. He's like, you guys are horrible. At, at, uh, <laughs> like, there's, I put up a journal. We've done four sessions. You haven't even filled out the last two and your notes are terrible. Why don't you give this a read next week? Let's, let's, let's try and up our game a little, right? And I'm like... It's it's a nice way to approach it, and and you're right. It pro- there's a number of times when it probably doesn't work, but at least I think as a certain player, when you look at it, you go, "Well, somebody's linked this to our group for a reason." The least I can do, since the DM is putting this much time in, is at least look at the uh, what he's out there and see if maybe I'm the person this is directed at, or at least be more conscientious of it. Mm-hmm. I'm a firm so, believer that people can't change, though, so I don't think that works. <laughs> I really do. I, I think that's that. I mean, if your DM does that for you, they have a heart of gold. God bless them. But the truth of the matter is you'll never be a good note taker. I feel really like practicing. <laughs> I feel like it's very similar. Like as a teacher, you put that stuff out there and the people, the kids that don't have those issues are the ones that are going to read those things and take it to heart and try to improve on the issues. They don't have exactly the ones that are the problem are going to be like, that ain't me. <laughs> I am totally in Cade's camp on this. The good, (laughs) this is going to be horrible English. The good get gooder. And the good get gooder. And the problem remains the problem. (laughs) It's true. It's true. Not grammatically correct, but it is true. (laughs) (laughs) The good get better. There we go. And the doesn't need an accent. That doesn't affect grammar. (laughs) (laughs) You gotta go. You gotta put the accent on it. You gotta put the accent on it. Yes. And I think that. And so to this point, this kind of leads into one of the next note that I had was attendance issues start to arrive Mm. because if you've got a player like that at the table, or if it's your DM, (laughs) suddenly people are just like, "I've got better things to do tonight." Like they just prior they deprioritize the game. Uh, people, yeah. p- people, if, if, if DMs out there are going like, wow, uh, Jim and Sarah never make my games anymore. They, it's not because they have life issues because if they, if they had the, if they, if they had life issues, they would change the priority. If they really like the game, they would change priority in their life to be at your game. There's something wrong with the game. Like, I, uh, I ran a one shot that we had and it was um blackwater creek for cthulhu and it we had to place it over a couple sessions because it's fairly long and halfway through when we ended it they were like yeah we'll, we'll come back soon and play and i kind of texted out a couple times to be like hey you guys didn't come back and finish that and they were always busy and eventually i kind of went it's probably just me i'll just i'll just move on 
you know, and who knows? Maybe it wasn't, but you're right. If they really wanted to play, the priorities would change. Yeah. I think that's the the reason most campaigns that I've been in that have ended have ended. It's most often attendance issues. It's either you can't schedule with everybody or find something that works or people are just, yeah, they're deprioritizing it or I just have really flaky friends. So that doesn't help. They're bad, bad with all aspects of life and D&D is real low on their priority list. Yes. Um, but I think that's the, the, the most common one. And like you said at the top, there might be some of those other issues that fuel into those attendance issues. Sure. But yeah, shift, for me, like shift work, one. shift work. Mm-hmm. Uh, in our case, like one of the things that I have with my players is that like we're all parents now, so mm-hmm. maybe sometimes you can't get a sitter or yep. or kid you, get sick or kid get sick exactly whatever. something like that yep. happens. So you have to have some flexibility. But I but I guess and I'm not trying to I'm not trying to poke at those people that are struggling with real. Shit. But what I am saying is, is that if someone really wants to play Dungeons and Dragons or Call of Cthulhu or mm-hmm. Zweihenda or whatever you want to, whatever you're playing, yeah. uh, Morkborg, which is something that we, Jason and I need to find time to play. Morkborg, <laughs> we're doing it. it. Seems a little dark for me. I don't know. It's, I started reading into it and I got a little scared. I won't lie. To you. I was like, I'm like, if you want to play the, if people want to play those games, they will make the time. They will mm-hmm. make the time. Yeah. And that and has nothing a, to do with a hardcore player or not. They just, no. they will make time for, to do things they want to do. Yeah. And you there's know, a difference I, between not making like a session here and there. Like things pop up every now and then it happens. Life gets in the way. But if it's consistent, then yeah, there's an issue there. You know, I'll admit I am, I am the player who causes the campaign to stall because I don't have time. We were playing this, the best D&D campaign that I've been a part of ever um it was the regular dm i don't know what he decided to do differently it was just stellar the group was actually working including the one person who i didn't really get along with in the past and we we were actually making it work and then my daughter was born and i was like give me a couple weeks and then we just haven't gotten back to it and every time i talk to him about it i'm like i swear i want to get back to it but like attendance is a problem you know as much as i do agree that like there are times that we're just making excuses I'll be the first one to admit it's not an excuse for me. It is just time. Well, it is, it, to say I'm going to give up three or four hours, a, you know, every couple of weeks at once a month is a lot of time. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I hear about game. I like I, I at the gaming store, I'll hear uh, about guys talking about their home game and they're like, we played for eight hours on the weekend in one session. I'm like, I'm just like melting. I'm like, I want that. I want that. <laughs> uh, but I have three kids and I can't have that right now. So uh, yeah, it's just, I I hear you. Like there's definitely, there's definitely le- legitimate. And this is your first kid, right? Yeah. Yeah. Six months so old. There's great learning curves. And plus there's a lot of awesome. I'm a big proponent for kids. <laughs> There's a lot of awesome stuff that happens with your, you know, it's a whole new world. Don't miss that for for Dungeons and Dragons. I mean, I get that, but what I'm, but I guess the, the I don't know. Even I'm on the fence about that. Well, I mean, there's limits, right? It's like the kid. Listen, rubs- I've been talking cantrips, or I've been talking coffee. I got to talk cantrips too once in a while. <laughs> Eventually, they'll be old enough you can DM for her and her friends. <laughs> I actually, I, you know I'm what? with Jason though. The three hour session is the is the yeah, greatest. I agree. I agree too. Yeah. I like I like the three hour. I don't like the four hour. People will say like, why don't you run a? When I stream mm-hmm. online, I only run a three hour, and I'm like, 
at three hours, you can actually watch the en- the energy drop off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and it has enough time that you have that that arc, right? Like even within a session, like you you're hating something, accomplishing something, learning, and then ending at a point before everyone gets burnt out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, three hours three hours gives you some time to role play with some NPCs, and it gives you time to have one really kick ass battle if you're of any. Mm-hmm decent level or i'm speaking totally D D here but mm-hmm. i and i think uh like our call of cthulhu we ran through through that in one session and i think it went four hours it probably could have been done in two sessions but we just did it in one we got it over and done with and it was yeah it was four hours once again though that was it was a scheduling thing right you're like well this is when so people if we can have do to it. run this in two sessions. Yeah, when do we get the second session? If, if all of a sudden the stars align, you're like everybody can make this Saturday night. Nobody has any plans, and mm-hmm. if it's gonna, t- we don't know at this point in time. It's a newer system. It's something three, mm-hmm. four, five hours. We know we want to finish it in one shot. You, you just go for it. I think. Yeah, yeah. 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 Cthulhu is also very variable depending on how long it takes you to solve the puzzles. Right, like if you immediately stumble on the issue, your four-hour session could be two hours. If it takes you forever, it might be a five, six-hour-long session because right. the pieces just aren't clicking. There are reasons they have rules built in to re-give the clue to the players if they missed it. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. So the other thing that I that I, that Ruin kind of brought up, he was like, "Well, nobody wanted to play, so maybe it was me." I don't know. I. I <laughs> Just giving I don't, you my sob story. I know, I know, like, but I don't. But what I was going to say is, me. I don't think it's always the GM, specifically with the newer material that came has been coming out. So I'm going to speak about fifth edition here, and I, I. But I think it can apply to some other edition, some other games as well. But in like fifth edition D and D, they they have burdened our new dungeon masters with massive hardcover adventures that scale first to twelfth level which I realize is not the full one to 20. So they're cutting it in half, but it's still a great deal of time. So, you know, you can be, it, people can people can just go like, no, it's just, it's taking too long to move through the story. It has nothing to do with a DM. It has to do with the product that the DM is running. And I think to some extent, that's what happened with us with our Princes of Apocalypse game. I'm, I'm not going to, I'm, I'm, I'm going to toot my own horn here. I like to think I'm a relatively skilled dungeon master, but that game just kind of plodded along and there was so much material there and I couldn't get the characters to where I wanted to get them to quick enough that that game eventually was like, it had some other factors working too. Like I just got tired of editing live plays, but, but it was a lot of material to work through. And I think sometimes, uh, in the good old days of Dungeons and Dragons, I mean, a module was 14, 15 pages long, some of them. Mm-hmm. And now they're what, like 100, 200? And that's what we were talking about earlier. I'm like, when I grew up and I was playing the, and in earlier editions, there was no, these campaign books didn't exist. Like there was no giant 100 page hardcover campaign book. You would, there was a lot more homebrewing, but, and you would pick up this, you know, this 15 page paper module and you would kind of drop them in. And that was, because it was homebrewed and because it wasn't a pre-printed product with a start and an end, you never had an issue where our campaign never ended. There was never an end in sight anyway. There was never a hard end, a goal to reach. So 
it kind of ended when somebody was like, oh, like I said, a new edition came out or a new product came out and somebody wanted to roll a barbarian instead. Um, yep. Okay, well, we'll start something new. Or somebody was like, I just drew the most massive, you know, 12 level dungeon and I really want you guys to run through it. There was no sort of sense of failure because there was no goalpost at that point in time. It was mm. sort of just a meandering sandbox back then, I think, in the homebrew a lot of times. I think I think has Call of Cthulhu not done this too though. They have a couple of big products out right now. There's like Masks of Masks of Nyarlathotep is the big I one. I can never out. pronounce that. Thank you. And the other one that I, <laughs> I saw, don't even know if I did it right. <laughs> that, no, I think you got it. There was another one uh, on uh, the... horror on the Orient Express. Yes, that's the yeah. one. And that I... one's actually out of print, but they're bringing it back. So they're they're awesome products. Like my friend, my one friend has the Orient Express one. Yeah, it's it's a huge product. There's all kinds of handouts, and it's very cool. But we have never played the game before. And the two of us looked at that and went, are you running it? I'm not running it. Like, I bought Nyarlathotep because I know that Chaosium has this habit of like taking things out of print for a while. Mm-hmm. And so I bought it. I have yet to run it because I can't even imagine trying to hold a group together long enough to play that. Yeah. And I don't even know in a, in a game like Cthulhu, like they're dead at the end of chapter one. Now what do we do? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it actually it, it comes with rules about how to insert characters if you need to, which alone is crazy enough for me to consider. Like, mm-hmm. you you mean you just have this like rotating cast? Um, it's one of the reasons why I actually think my preference for play is I love big campaigns. I do. Don't get me wrong, but when I run, I much prefer to do one shots that have a common like group or something to hold everybody together, because then every session can be a one shot and then it's like hey that group didn't work doesn't matter we don't invite that person back we just say we're starting something new or you know and it can kind of consistently evolve with what you need mm-hmm. um and even leading into that our is big the one best that we trick did. in the dnd in the gamer's book we're, we're just starting a yeah. new game and oh we forgot to invite him <laughs> Yeah, just, there's everybody always has more players that want to play than they have seats at the table, right? We've talked about That's that. So you're gonna like, well, it's, it's Jimmy's turn to rotate through, and mm-hmm. you know, um, yeah. And let's step in as beautiful. Let's step in as the narrator. If you're the guy that didn't get invited back, you're the reason they switched the game. Hard truth. <laughs> yeah. But Here. you know, and even before we played our campaign last summer, I kind of went with the idea of like I'm gonna have it so that it's open. So anybody can come in and out and that way, if it falls apart, I'm good. Cause I hate when they fall apart and yet I want to play. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love the idea of that old school campaign that never ends that you're just constantly going on new adventures and you have this character that you just get to live with for a while. And as somebody who really likes like the role-playing side of things, I love the idea of like, you are building your backstory as you play. And I think that's super cool, but I also recognize how many obstacles there are to make that work. Um, And how, yeah, that's kind of been, that's no longer the style of what's been putting out anymore. Right. All these things, like you said, they're self-contained adventures and they don't lead into each other very well. So to have that long running campaign that never ends with just like, you know, you like you said, you start with this like peasant character and you work him up to being the greatest hero in the land. And then he has to go to somewhere else and do all these other things mm-hmm. like super cool. But it's, it's kind of it, it's a lot uh, less feasible now, I feel like, which is I'll, disappointing. I'll bet you, Cade, though, the, for every sort of. I call that the never-ending story. For every never-ending story that begins, I think the majority mm-hmm. of them fail. 
I'm sure they do. I, I think just love some, the idea of at it. At <laughs> some point, because see, if you can sit down and plan out a beginning, middle, and an end, I think as a DM, you have a huge advantage. You've got a beginning, middle, of an end. You sort of know where you want the game to go, and it has an ending on it. And there mm-hmm. is nothing better. It doesn't matter what level you end at. There is nothing better than wrapping a story and just having an ending. Yeah. Uh, and although never ending stories are cool, like campaigns that go on people that go like I had a campaign that went on for seven years, uh, 20 yeah. years. There's some guy on the internet going, mm. my campaign has been running for 40 years. I'm like, well, that's good for you. But like nobody yeah. remembers session one. So, you know, yeah. what is I also I was, think those contained sessions probably like come to a reasonable conclusion more often because there is an end in sight. Nobody wants to be the quitter. Everybody's like, okay, we just we have to get through this adventure, and then I'm gonna go find another group because ruin the DM is kind of a, d- um, you True know, story. But if it's this ongoing continuous thing, then there's no there's no end, so you just kind of like you drop out whenever you're just like I'm done. I I don't care if we beat this dragon, like whatever. I don't care. Right? My personal preference for playing is that that campaign that has a defined beginning and end point. I can see the path that I'm going as a player, but as a GM. I actually prefer the self-contained. They could be a one-shot to run every time, like an episodic campaign. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. You know, I've like always wanted to run an episodic group. campaign, and then it never works out for me. I always link them, and then all of a sudden, there's a meta plot the ones, running. Yeah, I think those are the ones that fail the most often, and it really, it comes with. I think the only reason why the campaign last summer worked is because I looked at the people who wanted to be a part of it, and I said, "This is what I'm going for. I want a beginning." I want middle and an end. And if you can commit to that, please sign up. If you can't, I'm sorry. Next time. Yeah. I love, I love ones that have Mm -hmm. beginning, middle and end. And Jason actually had a great uh, session zero on a recent campaign where the DM asked, what do you want out of this game? I think I've I've in my head kind of asked people, but I've never actually done it. Yeah, so it's one of those things like growing up playing earlier on, there was no such thing as a session zero. So when it first started happening, and we had done some session zero, and you're kind of like, oh, that's you know, that's just character creation, and we banter back and forth. And then all of a sudden playing with a new group and you're sitting there, and it was the first time a DM's like, okay, everybody, like around the table, like, what do you want to get out of this? What do you want to and it's neat because there's a guy who's like, you know, like we're traveling for the next 25 days. I want to role play every night around the campfire. He's like, okay, well, you're one fifth of this party. So how about one in every five days? I give you a yeah. little time to roll. That's that's one fifth, right? There you go. So everybody gets their portion. But it's amazing when people sort of start talking about what they would like in a campaign. Because there's a lot of people that come to the table with a lot of different reasons or a lot of different mm-hmm. expectations. Yeah, we're finding that even in our podcast, like in how we how we review the different systems, you can tell, okay, who's really in this for like the combat epic scenarios? Who's in this for the really cool role-playing? Who's in it for the problem solving? And it's really interesting that like you have four people and there are four different perspectives and goals and expectations for every game. And that's really interesting. As a side note, Kate, could you tell me what those are? I'm interested to know. Uh, Who comes to the table with what? I would say that I'm the biggest role-player. Uh, I would say that Jody is probably the biggest combat and Jaden is probably the biggest, like, I want to solve the problem, beat the baddie, get to the end. And you're there to wrangle all of us. <laughs> like hurting cats. You're, you're there because the we are good is. DMs. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's exactly it. That's exactly That's it. That's fair. Uh, well, I, I think, think it's nice. Oh, go, go ahead, Jay. 
I've talked. I to think them. it's nice when you have that session zero, not just from a DM's perspective, but if you've got four players sitting around the table, and I know that the other guy on the other side of the table is interested in this portion of the game, that if you're a good player, you're going to be like, okay, I'm going to try and like if he wants to do that role play, and we're okay. Well, the town guard doesn't want to let you in. You give him the nod. Oh, hey, like this is what you wanted to do, like. Like more like okay, you know that you got the guy that wants the big combat role, and you've got a buff spell before you kick open the door. You throw the buff spell on him, right? So he's got an extra chance mm-hmm. to do something ridiculously heroic and roll a couple of extra dice. I think um, it's nice that it, even from a player's perspective to know what the other people you're sitting at the table with are looking for from a game. Hundred percent. And I think that helps you get to the end. Like if you need to end a campaign, but you also know that what everybody at the table wants out of the game, you can say were these like okay, we've accomplished what everybody wanted to. And now we're fighting the big bad evil guy. The big bad evil guy dies. End the campaign. Like, don't... Some DMs... I mean, if you're the the DM and you've got a great idea for a sequel, that's great. But acknowledge that that campaign ended and you're now starting a new campaign with new goals. And what do people want out of this campaign now? Because you'll be far more successful, I think, and more happy with yourself because you've like sometimes people like they beat the big bad evil guy and the and it's obvious the GM had a really good story planned out and I don't know maybe you've played for 20 sessions the big bad evil guy dies and now you're all looking at each other like well we're still going to meet ne- next Wednesday right yeah we're still meeting next Wednesday I'll, I'll have something else planned but then it's obvious that the DM hasn't had the same point of inspiration and he's now he or she is now trying to fit a story on the end of their kickass story whereas if you'd just gone no that's it we did it. Let's be happy with that. Like yeah. we created something there and it was awesome and we don't need to add to it. It's sophomore album syndrome. <laughs> it's, it's the same thing. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're right. <laughs> it's like, we don't need the sequel to this movie. Yeah. <laughs> we just need it. Like, yep. that was good. We don't time, need another one. Something, yeah. Something new. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think that gets through like, and of course, DMs, you know, DMs hit writer's block. We kind of we kind of touched mm-hmm. on that there. Uh, they, they become uninspired. They or maybe the DM just doesn't know how to end his campaign, and that and and then the campaign ends in a way that you didn't like because he or she just didn't know how to end it. Mm-hmm. So if if you know what your players want of the game and you can give them that, then you've you sort of completed your your arc. Kind of just comes back down to that whole communication on all fronts right like how many of our games could have been actually finished if there had just been communication mm-hmm. that's and that's something point. we've talked about on our podcast before it's just like you're building a relationship with your table group and that's a relationship like like all others requires effort and work yeah yeah i'm in a i'm in a campaign right now where the dm does a a closeout uh, meeting like after every session she wants to know how did you feel how that session went what what did you like was there something you didn't like is there something that could have gone better uh, and people get a chance to offer input I think it's important I, I really like that I, I it's probably something that I should do sometimes we do it I mean because if you have close friends and you're playing with them maybe the next time you're getting together just for beers instead of the gaming you talk about the game anyways and you find out mm-hmm. what people are liking or not liking but uh, in, in I think not enough people look for that feedback and sometimes the DM has to go hunting for it sometimes the DM has to say like here's my here's my f- phone number text me here's my email 
or I'm going to send you an email and I've got a couple questions for you and ask very specific questions. Like, do you think this bad guy's interesting or do you not think this bad guy's interesting? Do you like how this is progressing in the game or do you not like how this is progressing in the game? Because again, it'll help you get to the end of that campaign so that you're happy with it and it doesn't just peter out on you. One of the best pieces of advice ever given to me as a GM was from Jody, um, one of our, our other players. And he said, don't make us roll for everything. And he's like, you're getting better at it. You understand. But sometimes he's like, if I'm looking at a bookshelf and that thing's right in front of my face, why am I rolling for it? And I was like, you know what, man? It just took you to tell me that one time and I get it now. The burden of the perception check. Like, just tell people. <laughs> Especially if it's something that has to progress the plot. And Cthulhu, this is what, the from my one time of running Cthulhu, I realized there were certain things that if they didn't find, the plot was stopping. So why am I asking for a role for that? Just like spot just give hidden it to them. is the most abused skill in that game. Same with same with perception Dungeons and Dragons. It's con constantly. People when cannot figure out perception. how to use <laughs> passive perception. People cannot figure out how to use passive perception. So they just ask for perception rolls all the time. Spot hidden, I can see exactly how that would be overused, where it's just constantly being asked for at the table um trying to think of another game that overuses an ability to spot things i think it, i think probably every role-playing game does because it comes mm -hmm. down to like how do you give the information of the story to the player mm -hmm. like um, it, it's uh, who was it that told me this someone once told it was maybe an article actually in a dragon magazine but it was like don't place your key to continuing the adventure behind a secret door because if they can't find the secret door what have you just done and if you're not going to ask them to if you if so anything now i put behind a secret door secret doors always hold optional stuff for me in my adventures the secret door holds optional stuff that way but if they don't find it then i'm i'm at no loss for them not finding it right cool yeah <laughs> So I think we're probably getting close to wrapping up and usually I like to try and throw a couple of questions out there and you don't have to include this in the podcast, but it's always neat to hear somebody else's point of view. Um, everybody here is gamed, looked at a lot of games, is aware of a lot of games. What's a game on your radar right now that you haven't played, but you're like, man, I wish I could get a group together for this. Like there's, it's new, it's old, it's something that's always been on my shelf or it's something that I'm hearing is coming out. What's out there right now that you guys are interested in? Oh, that I haven't played. Oh. Yeah. The number one on my list is Shadowrun. I <laughs> have seen that one out for so long. Actually, first it was like the video games. And then I found out it was a tabletop game. And immediately it was like top of my list for things we have to run. Such a great looking campaign setting. Like you look at that right away and you're like, oh my God, like I grew up with this kind of stuff, right? There's this sort of sci-fi fantasy melting pot, right? I mean, it looks fantastic. It, it makes you feel badass when you see it. It's like, <laughs> I'm going to be that guy. Oh, I can't wait. I like to think of it, so if, if Dungeons and Dragons was like the, the, the time I discovered Star Wars as a kid, like things like Shadowrun and stuff like that, it's when you're a little older and you watch Blade Runner for the first time. And you're like, you know what? Luke Skywalker's okay. Blade Runner's got tits, you know, <laughs> like this is a little edgier. I'm looking yeah. for something that's uh, that's going to be a little more exciting. Yeah. I mean, Jabba had tits. No, this is yeah, true. Yeah, in the same way I do. <laughs> 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 uh, 
I was going to comment, but it seems a little forward. <laughs> I was going to hey. <laughs> oh, oh. We'll meet in Manitoba. Oh. <laughs> it all goes down I, in the peg. That sounds like a bad country song. Sounds like a bad country song. It does. Meet me in Manitoba. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Anybody else got anything they're looking to play these He's days? Have or anything that's on the radar? Uh, so I just convinced the guys when we were kind of planning out our next sessions that we're going to give a go with the old Marvel superheroes RPG because I've never played it. And we found a website that has like everything online for free, which is awesome. And I'm super jazzed about that. Just come to it with a light heart and you'll love it. I, I'm a Amazing. huge comic fan, and are we, yeah, I'm super pumped. Are we talking about like the old yellow box that came yes. out? Yeah, <laughs> my younger brother had that. I wish I still had it. We definitely played some. Of I that don't know if it comes box. with your PDF, but one of the greatest things that that game was the box sets came with city blocks. The oh, maps yeah. were a city block, and they were squared out so that and heroes could move so many squares or fly so many squares, oh. and then you would get these paper cutouts of all the superheroes and you would make uh triangles out of them and they would then stand on the city blocks and we didn't do a whole lot of like story running with that back in the day we were just like what if thor fought dr octopus (laughs) do it and (laughs) like we we would just do that all the time it was that was a great game that was a yeah i'm super excited for that one and then i mean it breaks the rule because i have played it but gods is still in kickstarter and it's coming out here sometime this year and we played it and i i love it it's the only game i've ever dm'd and i just i love it so much and i'm gonna buy it as soon as it comes out i'm super excited to see what the finished product is that an independent uh arcane Arcane asylum Asylum. they're out of uh france it seems like for the most part they do french translations of other titles um and this is only i think their second like actual homebrew their own um they did did the witcher didn't they yeah yeah they did the witcher rpg game very cool very cool what about you guys i have a i have such a huge list I, i i collect rpg games like I never get to play any of them because the majority of the time I, I had a great D&D campaign that lasted two years and I have a great group of players and I just wanted them to switch to a new system. And <laughs> you would have thought that I asked them to kill their mother. <laughs> How like, dare you? New I'm rules? Like, we've, we've done high fantasy. My high fantasy story ideas are kaput. Like I need some time to recharge. Uh, let's let's play something else. But no, I, I would have to say, okay, so games that I want to play. That I haven't. Numenera by Monty Cook Games, Jason. Uh, <laughs> Numenera for sure. Yes. Uh, I would love to play a Vampire the Masquerade game. Uh, I played yeah, it yeah. a bit as a kid. I played a lot of Werewolf as a kid. Oh, yeah. uh, like, as I say kid, but like late teen, early 20s, Werewolf was my jam. And uh, I would like to. My jam. jam. Is the Werewolf game that's coming out, like the video game based on that? I don't know. I've heard it's hot garbage. Yeah. Werewolf the, yeah, I think it is. Werewolf the Apocalypse? Yeah, I heard it's yeah, hot yeah, garbage. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, okay, the, the role-playing game's fantastic. Like, I yeah. think it's I think it's awesome. Uh, and the last one, I just picked it up recently. Might even have it on the floor here beside me. Is uh, this little gem, Alien. Ooh. Oh, yes. I, I really that. I really want to play Alien. The reason I want to play Alien is because it comes with two settings. One is, like, long campaign mode. That is not the one I want to play. 
it comes with a setting for like one shot kill them all with aliens like it is the aliens movie essentially yeah. like no one's making it out alive except for the little girl in ripley go and you know make your own characters come up with your own story and um but this is a daunting book like it is serious it's gorgeous inside but it is a seriously thick book and i just have not had time to sit down and read it ruin write that down i want to do that one i actually just <laughs> thought about it the other day and i was like maybe our list for season two isn't set yet maybe we could yeah, put that I one think in so. yeah. yeah i would love to 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 run alien i would love to play alien um jay how about you so and you and i've talked so i know this is just going to sound redundant but i'm probably similar to kate here in that i have one that i haven't played and just recently acquired and one that i had played when i was very young and <laughs> only a couple of times and really butchered it and never, and it's still, I don't even know that it's a great game, but it still holds a spot for me where I feel like I need to do it and do it well. And that would be the first edition of Gamma World, like 1981 TSR, oh, yeah. nice. just wonky sci-fi is um, something that's very near and dear to me and, and a personal pet project. And then I'm interested in sort of rules light stuff and uh osr stuff so um uh, five torches deep is the other one that's on my list um i just acquired through drive through rpg um sort of a fifth edition meets osr sort of mashup we're talking like 42 page rule book that's nice. that's it that's the entire system right cool um that's those sweet. are two things i'm definitely on and i'm trying to actually commit to making that happen because i have a tendency to like get excited about stuff and then realize how much work it is. And you're no, like, we're going to uh, do gamma world. You're going to run your gamma world game. I I've got the gamma world no, campaign is slowly happen. coming together. I've actually got, yeah, I actually found, um, I got, uh, the company just not far from here that used to be the old Raffam and they actually still have miniatures too. Nice. You can get, you can get some chickens with machine guns. It's fantastic. <laughs> and, uh, they, I think they even do a line of Thundar miniatures. Cool. So I was like, oh <laughs> my awesome. God. I'm like, this <laughs> is going to work out fantastic. But uh, yeah, it's, it's, and like I said, we talked about this earlier, just a great time to be into this stuff too. I mean, there's a lot of amazing stuff hitting. Like every time you go on social media, if you're looking at gaming stuff, there's something new every week popping up. Oh, and yeah. some great looking stuff. Mm -hmm. yep. Yeah. It means for our show, we'll never run out of content. content. Yeah, I think we're okay for a while. <laughs> Somebody actually said that to me one time when I was telling them because they were like, "What's your podcast about?" So I told them, and um, like they were like, "Well, how long could you do that? Like, how many systems could you?" And I was just like, "You don't even know. Like, if you're asking that question, <laughs> you don't know, and you're not interested." Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it's it's a very good time to be a, if, if you like role playing games. You have, you know, there is a game for every itch. Uh, mm -hmm. Whatever you whatever you like, if you're a role player, there's probably role playing systems out there that are really heavy role playing. If you're a crunch and numbers type of player, there's there's lots of games like that too. So, yeah, you just have to find the one that fits for you. But it, it's all out there, and it's it, yeah. it because the internet's so easy to find. Absolutely. Do you have any other questions, Jay? No, I think that's all I've got tonight. <laughs> this is we we covered a lot of stuff today. We did. Most of it wasn't even on the agenda. This, no. this is what's called going off course. Like, no, I was just thinking, like, am I going to have Kate cut this into two episodes or just do a super episode? Like, I was just thinking, do it in two episodes would be kind of cool. Yeah. 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 yeah here's, the, here's the social and here's the actual, like, what we're here yeah. for. Yeah. 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 We, always, um, we, always, we always do, like, 
on stuff like this that are really long we do like the main episode or something or or something that we thought we think will do well and then there's always the site we call it the side b or, or the side <laughs> yeah. two, side two like it's just yeah. it's the stuff that's maybe it didn't make the cut but it's still worth listening to <laughs> for sure yeah awesome well, well you guys, guys have awesome. a sign off right and we, we have, have a sign off. off what's your sign off so our sign off is uh <laughs> what do we say uh i always say it crap kid what do i always say I don't know, something now. about being out of we, coffee. Oh yeah, we can <laughs> clip. We can clip you not no. remembering. That's fine. We can. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm leaving it in. Am I? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this always happens. We go to do our introductions. I'm like, what the hell do I say every single time? Like, I need to get it right every time. No, uh, what I say as is, and with that, I'm out of coffee, and that means it's time to go. There we go. What so I mean, do, yeah. Oh, I know what you guys say. <laughs> do you know what we say? We haven't yeah, been saying it, it lately. We're going to let you guys say it. I was just going to say, isn't it good night, Dick? It is good night, Dick. There we go. Night, Dick. All right. Well, let's let's do this officially. Let's trade sign-offs. Okay. Jason, you say it. Hold on. I was going to have to repeat it because I don't... His, his is long. We're all out so, of coffee and it's time to go. No. So with that, I'm all out of coffee? How it's time it? to go. Right. <clears throat> with that, I'm all out of coffee and it's time to go. Well said. All right, Kate, you want to do it at the same time? Sure. All right. Good night, Dick. Good night, Dick. <laughs>